everyone, this is Mark of Media Riot, coming to you from the greatest city, Chicago. On this episode, we'll be taking a look at Now Playing in Theaters, Now You See Me. In Slip Discs, we'll take a look at Arnold Schwarzenegger's return to acting in The Last Stand. And we'll take a listen to the latest from hardcore punk band, Terror. Hey everyone. Recently open at the movies is Now You See Me, a heist caper reuniting Zombieland co-stars Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson. It also stars Isla Fisher, Dave Franco, and Mark Ruffalo. And if the cast isn't star jam-packed already, two Batman alums show up, Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine. Now You See Me tells the story of how four low-level magicians are pulled together by an unknown benefactor, with their mission being to rob money from banks, bank accounts, and the FBI, and hot on their trail is FBI agent Mark Ruffalo. In this scene, Ruffalo is interrogating Eisenberg after the group has just pulled off their first heist. So I warn you, I can maintain my resolve much longer than you can maintain that phony arrogance. And the instant that you even show the slightest crack in that smug facade, I'll be there. I will be all over you like... Like white on rice? Sorry, that's unfair. Let me warn you, I want you to follow. Because no matter what you think you might know, we will always be one step, three steps, seven steps ahead of you. And just when you think you're catching up, that's when we'll be right behind you. And at no time will you be anywhere other than exactly where I want you to be. So come close, get get all over me, because the closer you think you are, the less you'll actually see. I'm gonna nail you First rule of magic, always be the smartest guy in the room. At this point, you've probably seen the trailer. It has generated a great amount of buzz with its all-star cast and its flashy and catchy story premise. And if you've seen the poster, all of this starts to pull together into a feeling of deja vu. Intentional or unintentional, the makers of the film are hoping to pull in Ocean fans. That's Danny Ocean fans. Now, this movie isn't Ocean's 4. It's just that Ocean's 11 is 12 years old, and it's time for another movie to be played on constant rotation on TBS. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking this movie. I'm giving it a solid two and a half stars. It's completely entertaining. I saw it on a Friday night with a mostly filled audience that applauded at the end, and I only looked at my watch once. The movie zips along, it's got some good jokes, and has the exuberance of a real magic show, which should happen when you hire David Copperfield as a consultant on your movie. I can't really go into detail of the plot, because that would be like a magician explaining the trick. And that's Morgan Freeman's job in the movie. I will say this. It is nice to see Eisenberg and Harrelson back on screen together. Eisenberg's high-strung, sometimes arrogant rat-a-tat is a nice counter to Harrelson's southern stoner drawl. And Mark Ruffalo as the put-upon FBI agent who's gonna take him down is not only a great cipher for the audience as well, as we all try to figure out how the magicians did it, but because Ruffalo had honed his acting chops in small indie films for years and he's developed the talent that Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine have. He can bring depth and shading into characters in big-budget Hollywood extravaganza explosion films. So could anyone play the FBI agent? Maybe, but you're happy you're partnered with Ruffalo specifically. If, you have, if you've noticed, though, I haven't mentioned much of Isla Fisher or Dave Franco, younger brother of James Franco. Their characters aren't as fleshed out. Fisher is just a sassy assistant girl, and Franco is the young upstart 
who does have a great fight scene with Ruffalo, but they are the least developed characters. Almost anyone could have taken these roles. But I guess when you have Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine going head-to-head, the rest of the cast had better bring their A-game. Now, with a huge all-star cast, multiple locations, and exciting car chases, who's the one holding the reins behind the camera? I was a little surprised to see the director's name not touted anywhere on the promos. You've seen his films, or at least heard of them. The director, Louis Latier, directed The Incredible Hulk, Clash of the Titans, and The Transporter movies. Now, mind you, these aren't immortal action classics like, say, Jaws or Independence Day, but Louis is pretty good at making big, fun, light-as-the-popcorn-you're-eating entertaining movies. He could be considered a journeyman director, but I actually like Clash of the Titans. It was big and fun and entertaining, and that's not always a bad thing. You could almost compare Louis to Michael Bay, and I would almost always choose Louis because Louis never insults the audience with stereotypes or a barf melange of oversaturated colors. With work, Louis could move up to be an A-level action director. One last thing about Now You See Me. The issue I have with a lot of heist films that aren't the sting, the plots are sometimes so complicated that everything, and I mean everything, has to fall into place or the story won't go the right way. Plus, where do these people get these huge amounts of money that they have to spend to get everything needed to complete the trick? I understand this is a Hollywood film and needs to be big, but just a little smaller in parts would have made more sense in the plot. To wrap up, if you and the family, or a date, are looking for a fun way to spend a Friday night, let Woody Harrelson hypnotize you while Eisenberg and Fisher show you they have nothing up their sleeves before making that rabbit appear out of nowhere, and Franco will show you your card, and Morgan Freeman will explain it all. Now we move on to slip discs. When you were growing up, say around the age of 12, did you ever have to write a creative story for a class? Did that story mostly consist of your favorite scenes from movies you had seen? Well, if you want to see what happened to that little story, it was turned into Arnold Schwarzenegger's return to acting after a 10-year hiatus movie, The Last Stand. Arnie took a 10-year break to go from Terminator to Governator of California, and since California governors are term-limited, and Arnie is not an American-born citizen, he can't run for president. So what else is there to do but to return to acting? Arnie's last starring role was in Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. And lately, he had dipped his toe back into the Hollywood pool with cameos in Stallone's The Expendables films. Also, at the end of his term as governor, Personal issues of infidelity probably helped accelerate his jump back into acting to help clear up his image. So here we have The Last Stand. Arnold stars as Sheriff Ray Owens of sleepy Arizona border town, Somerton Junction. He's taken the job after years on a Los Angeles SWAT team, Special Forces. He's seen things, man. Things you'll never shake. Blah, blah, blah. He's surrounded with colorful co-workers and friends who are his extended family. Louise Guzman and Johnny Knoxville show up and play Louise Guzman and Johnny Knoxville. These guys are EMT extraordinaires of quirky sidekicks, able to breathe life and a couple of laughs into their second banana rolls. Forrest Whitaker plays, I think, Mark Ruffalo's role from Now You See Me. 
an FBI agent overseeing the transport of one of the most ruthless south-of-the-border drug lords, Gabriel Cortez, played by Eduardo Noriega. And, of course, he escapes. And, of course, he kills one of Forrest Whitaker's partner buddies, who had one week left on the force... No, wait, um, just join the force? No, no, wait, a baby on the way at home. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Cortez takes off in a tricked-out Corvette C6ZR1 and literally makes a run for the border. I seriously wish someone was prominently eating Taco Bell somewhere in this film movie. Missed opportunity. Cortez is headed straight for Arnie's sleepy little town, and Arnie has to find it in him to rally the troops and make a, wait for it, a last stand. Now, I know I might seem a little hard on this film, but even Arnold's lesser film still has some originality to it. This film was directed by Korean filmmaker Kim Ji-woon, whose films have created a buzz, especially his I Saw the Devil, but why he was picked for this as his American debut, I'm not sure. And also, yes, we all must age. The lines in her face get a little more prominent, the skin a little more drier. But Arnold looks terrible in this film. He looks like he's going to collapse over from exhaustion, just turning his steroid-abused body around to say, Hiya, folks, at the local diner. His contemporaries, Stallone, Willis, Norris, have all aged too. Willis is looking the least like he's held together by plastic surgery and hair pieces. But I don't know if Schwarzenegger is trying to pull a Robert Redford and not use a lot of makeup to hide his aging, but he really should. In his final showdown with the bad guy, he constantly looks winded and tired. It was sad to see a childhood hero fighting a fight that in real life he wouldn't have won. His, mo his movements were jerky and lumbering. He fought like a stock bad guy from his 80s heyday movies. Arnold has a bunch of other movies lined up after The Last Stand, and hopefully they're better than this. The Last Stand flopped at the box office, and rightfully so. Now, not all of Arnold's films were huge box office hits, but you're excited when Commando or Red Heat or Eraser pops up on a Saturday afternoon. They're standard good guy versus bad guy, but Arnold always pushed to bring the entertainment to the max. The Last Stand has a, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do this film feeling to it. The one thing I don't question is why the supporting actors wanted to star in it. Who would have wanted to star in a Schwarzenegger film? Everyone gets their chance to go guns blazing against the villains, even little old Granny. Oh, and the digitally added blood spurts keep this, keeps this movie from falling into the PG-13 range. We all have to age, even Superman. But don't highlight it. Don't play into it if you don't need to. I believed Stallone in Rambo 4 and Rocky 6, and he was 60. And Harrison Ford was 66 when he did Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They recognized their aging, but showed why it didn't matter. They could still rock it like they were in their prime. You can too, Arnie. Just try again. back and so is the band terror now with a name like that you're expecting a certain sound and you get it let's take a listen from their latest album live by the code
Terror's latest album is being released by Chicago-based Victory Records. Lead singer Scott Vogel is friends with Victory Records founder Tony Brummel, and after years on smaller labels, Scott and crew need to move up from the niche labels to a major indie label to deal with Terror's growing stature in the hardcore scene. Now with a band like Terror, there isn't a lot of room for musical growth. They have a certain musical style, and they sing really only about three things. Brotherhood or family, fighting or struggle, or, or fighting and struggling with the help of your brotherhood or family. Am I recommending Live by the Code? Sure. Terror has been together for over 10 years now and is one of the top bands in the hardcore punk scene. You could almost pick up any of their albums or EPs and get some brutal, loud, and intense music. I had a friend, I had a friend once give the best description of this kind of hardcore music. He called it puncher girl music. As in, oh my god, this song's so fucking awesome, I'm gonna mosh like a motherfucker. I'll punch anyone. I'll punch a girl, yo! Now this is all in jest, and Meteorite is not condoning punching a girl, unless you're another girl. But this shows the proper way to listen to terror. Live. With all musical styles, there are musicians that must be seen live. The Rolling Stones, Yo-Yo Ma, Ziga Rose, Wynton Marcellus, Face to Face, or Slayer. These are musicians that are at the pinnacle of their style, and terror is that for, heart, for the hardcore scene. I had a chance to see them live a couple years ago when they were on tour with Bury Your Dead. Now, yes, I will say this first. Hardcore punk may not be your cup of tea for music, but this is one of those must-see live before you die. You will see a true mosh pit. You will see musicians who are so in tune with each other and talented they can make their music with kids' toys, and music so loud it, it will literally tear the roof off. And I'm not kidding about that. I saw Terror at the Clearwater Theater in Dundee, Illinois. I was on stage standing in the wings, and Terror tore through their set like a demolitionist on a gleeful spree. Now as they played, I kept on feeling something touching my back. I turned around, and no one was there. I go back to watching the band, and then feel something on my back. Like someone was tapping my shoulder or wiping something down my back. What was this? No one was on my side of the stage. All of the crew was on the other side. So after about 15 minutes of every so often feeling something on my back, instead of fully turning around, I look over my shoulder, and I see some white powder. I take off my jacket, and the back of my black jacket is covered with white dust. I look up. The stucco on the ceiling was literally being shaken off. Terror was literally tearing the place down. Now if this isn't a ringing endorsement to see the band live, I can't imagine what is. So pick up their latest album, and even if it's for five minutes... Check out Terror as they crisscross country. Trust me, they will be in your area sometime soon. Terror tours extensively. And watch out, a girl might punch you. I would like to thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Media Riot. We look forward to bringing you more reviews and discussion. Media Riot is sponsored by Sally Super Salads. Take Sally home tonight. She'll toss your salad like no one has. Media Riot is an Illinois production, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.